Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for July 25th, 2010. Next article is entitled, One Million Vaccine Doses Sent to Strategic National Stockpile for Smallpox, Smallpox Bioterror Attack on U.S. Under the BARDA contract, Bavaric Nordic will deliver 20 million doses of imavimune to the U.S. Strategic National Stockpile with an option for 60 million more doses. Bavarian Nordic announced today that it has delivered 1 million doses of its smallpox vaccine to the U.S. Strategic National Stockpile for use in the event of a smallpox bioterrorism attack on the U.S. Imavune is the first vaccine successfully developed under Project BioShield. Now that really got my attention when I heard that. And we're going to look at what Project BioShield is in a second here. This is a U.S. program created by Congress in 2004 to develop and purchase medicines and vaccines to protect the American public from U.S. created from bioterrorism attacks. They wrote in their U.S. lab created, which is probably the truth. Uh, Emma, Emma Immune was clinically developed and manufactured under contracts with the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority called BARDA, which is a... You know, you talk about Big Brother Black Projects, BARDA is right in there. Right up there with DARPA, BARDA, you know, it's evil. This is a division of the U.S. Department of Human Health Services, as well as the National Institutes of Health. Isn't that weird? I mean, a bioterrorism attack of smallpox with the option to purchase 60 million more doses. So again, I'm not sure what might be in store. Some people say, well, you know, you, you reported this thing on the H1N1. You did that 14-city tour on the avian flu H5N1, and none of it came to pass. Yeah, you know why I did the tour? Because I was praying that enough people would be praying about the situation that God would avert it. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly what happened. Because it could have happened. So just because something doesn't come to pass, I've never said I'm a prophet, I've never said I'm, I'm prophetic in any way, shape, or form. I'm trying to warn you about these things so that we can pray about them, so that hopefully God will intervene. But if we don't know about it, how are we going to pray about it? So I believe God did intervene in those events and stopped it and gave us some more time. Praise the Lord. Like I said before, if the New World Order had their way, we would literally have been under this system in literally 1984. George Orwell, 1984, Big Brother. That's why Maitreya, a couple years before 1984, actually did make his big debut and took a full-page ad out in the New York Times and in other papers because they were announcing the way of the coming world teacher, the coming fifth Buddha, uh, Krishna, the Christ, the Imam Mahdi, all these messianic figures that all the major religion world, world religions are waiting for. And he was on... That, that's when they would have liked to have implemented it. But obviously it's got pushed back a really long way because the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. And these principalities and devils and demons and evil uh, entities and fallen angels and Satan himself are subject to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something we need to always bear in mind. Uh, he is a defeated foe, ultimately. He is a defeated foe, Satan. So then, the next article. Uh, let's see. Citizens for Legitimate Government has learned that Newfield's exhibitions, the previous sponsor of the 5th Iraqi Aviation and Defense Summit, 
and international swine flu conferences, Mass Fatality Management Planning is sponsoring an unmanned aircraft system defense and tactics conference in Washington, D.C. Newfields offers the following description of the summit to be held uh, July 29th and 30th. That's just coming up here. This cutting-edge conference brings together military, federal, and local governments, academia, and industry to discuss their plans to expand their UAS use, which is the um, unmanned aircraft systems. Why would you have an organization that is integrally tied in with this avion flu, with the coming uh, potential force vaccinations, why would you have them sponsoring a defense conference where they're talking about their, their use of unmanned aircraft systems? You've got the highest factions of military now coming in to the same um, realm in, with, the, the, with the medical community, with high-level stuff. We're going to look at that more in a second here. I just thought that that was rather unusual. This cutting-edge conference brings together military, federal, local governments, academia, and industry to discuss their plans to expand their use of unmanned aircraft systems and to address the challenge, challenges facing potential expanded use of these. I mean, that's pretty draconian. Now, what is Project BioShield? On July 21st, 2004, and this is straight from a slide I had in my Avion Flute presentation, which you can go watch online. Just can go up to YouTube, can Scott Johnson, and then Avion. And you'll find it in an actual video presentation I did through the Prophecy Club. On July 21st, 2004, President Bush signed the $5.6 billion Project BioShield into law. Under Project BioShield, the government can impose mandatory vaccinations on Americans while simultaneously declaring martial law based on any emergency, real or imagined. Pretty open-ended there. And again, I give you the link right to the White House news release where... You can check it out. Now, the Military Vaccine Resource Directory says, these are good guys exposing this, they said the term biofascism describes the merging of the military medical establishment, the FDA and public health bureaucracies, and the pharmaceutical medical cartels. Well, and again, this is just what we're talking about there with this New Fields Conference. You've got the mil, uh, military medical. You've got the FDA public health bureaucracy. And then you have the pharmaceutical medical cartels all coming into one, preparing for this coming bioterrorism cataclysm. Now, again, if there was nothing to any of this, why are they preparing for it? Why are they spending billions and billions of dollars to ultimately prepare for something that's never going to happen? May they have some inside knowledge? Uh, of course, you know, you know what I believe. What will American citizens do when nurses accompanied by armed police and soldiers come to their door and order them to be vaccinated? Since 9-11, federal, state, federal and state laws have been changed to now allow for this very scenario. The American people do not understand that the bioterrorism legislation passed by Congress since 9-11 makes the U.S. Patriot Act look tame by comparison. So here's... A remedy. Second Timothy one seven, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Psalm eighteen two says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Does it sound like you might want a deliverer regarding the day and times that we're coming into? I, I think so. 
my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Pretty much everything rolled up into one there. So we need to turn to the Lord regarding these things and not live in a spirit of fear. But we also need, it's important to be educated and not to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It says in Hosea 4, 6, and then it goes on to say, Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject thee, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more. And I will also reject thy children. So when you reject knowledge, true knowledge, truth, and remember, what's the coming earmark of the coming time we're moving into? Strong delusion that God is going to send. Well, if you're continually rejecting truth that God's sending you, from a protective standpoint, then you're starting to actually be pulled in to the strong delusion. It's not a position you want to put yourself in. Next article. HIV vaccines cause 50% false positive rates in HIV tests. It may come as a big surprise to most people, but HIV tests given to people today don't actually test for the presence of the HIV virus. Rather, they test for the presence of HIV antibodies that the immune system creates to defend itself against HIV. And just because you have HIV antibodies doesn't mean you actually carry HIV. In some cases, up to 50% of HIV tests are false, causing havoc with the lives of those patients who are falsely accused of being HIV positive. This startling fact was revealed in a recent study that's being published in the July 21st issue of the Journal of American Medical Association. That's like the gold standard of the American medical community. Okay, It shows that patients who are recruited for HIV vaccine trials, now that's important, these are people that are recruited for HIV vaccine trials, often end up testing positive for HIV. So you get the vaccination, hey, guess what? Now you're testing positive for HIV. Even though they were only exposed to the vaccine. And not the virus itself. Of course, who knows what they're really being exposed to in the vaccinations. I sure wouldn't want to take any chances. I don't trust them. I mean, obviously, if you've heard my previous teachings, you shouldn't trust them either. Almost half of the HIV negative people who participate in clinical trials for HIV vaccines end up testing positive on routine HIV tests. So you go in there, you're HIV negative, you get the vaccine, now you're HIV positive. Not a really good deal, even though they're not actually infected. And this is reported by U.S. News and World Reports. Some vaccines caused a false positive rate of over 86%. What this new study clearly demonstrates is the complete lack of scientific credibility of common HIV tests. It also demonstrates the dangers of getting vaccinated against HIV because the mere act of receiving an HIV vaccine may cause you to test positive for HIV, which in turn can have many serious repercussions in your life. Uh, I'll just list some. You may be denied employment because tests show you're HIV positive. You may be, you may be denied health insurance coverage or be charged significantly more than others for the same coverage because you're HIV positive. You may be denied residence in other countries as many countries require HIV tests for prospective new residency, you may be falsely accused of having AIDS by health authorities who archive your medical records and then use them against you. You may be arrested and sent to prison, accused of attempted murder by sleeping with someone and not telling them you're HIV positive, even though you don't even have AIDS. You may be denied the opportunity to participate in certain professions or activities. You may be socially stigmatized and thought of as an AIDS carrier. You may also be shunned by your spouse. 
So again, uh, I wouldn't be uh, signing up for any HIV trials if I was you. Once again, just more proving the whole evilness of the of the whole vaccination industry. And again, we've reported down that in depth in times past. Uh, next article, we're going to switch gears here. Human-animal hybrids uh, in a life versus death struggle. And what may seem like a Hollywood movie science fiction plot, as in the forthcoming movie Splice, lawmakers are trying to prevent scientists from combining human and animal embryos to make human-animal hybrids. This is just insane stuff. In Splice, two scientists defy ethical boundaries and splice together human and animal DNA to create a new organism, also known as a chimera. Well, wow, isn't that kind of what they were, the same concept of Genesis 6, where it says the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they took them wise off that they chose, and in those days were giants, or Nephilim or fallen ones, and it corrupted the whole earth to the point where God had to send a flood and wipe the whole earth out. Because mankind had been so corrupted that their thoughts were only evil continually. Because why? The seed had been corrupted. The Bible says in Jude that the angels left their first estate, meaning their home, and went after strange flesh, just as those did in Sodom and Gomorrah. It says that in Jude. Well, what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah? Men burning after men. Okay? It's strange flesh. It's an abomination to God. This whole thing is an abomination to God. And I'm going to prove that from the Bible. Today, Ohio Senate Health, Human Services, and Aging Committee Committee passed SB243, which is a ban on human-animal hybrids. Now, that's in Ohio. Okay, The bill prohibits human cloning, the creation, transportation, or receipt of human-animal hybrids, or the transfer of a non-human embryo into a human womb and the transfer of a human embryo into a non-human womb. How disgusting. I mean, that you'd even have to pass something like this is just crazy. Um, Mark Harrington, executive director of the Center of Bioethical Reform Midwest and the president of Pro-Life Institute, presented expert testimony. He said, quote, We all want to see treatments for sickness, he said. We all want to see cures for diseases, but the question is at what price, he added. I am becoming more and more convicted when it comes to emerging biotechnologies like human-animal hybrids that many of the researchers do not believe in any limits on research as long as it has the possibility to produce an economic end that suits their agenda. Well, the love of money is the root of all evil, and so, you know, it shouldn't surprise us. Then, this is a note, this is from uh, Raiders News Network, As Chelsea Schilling points out in her article above for World Daily Net, several states are trying to pass legislations outlawing the creation of mature human-animal hybrids. But this legislation has failed in some states and does not address privately funded laboratories or other countries where this research is rapidly expanding. Uh, look for Tom Anita Horn's chilly new expose into this field due out in November. Now, this this ties right in to the whole transhumanism, the whole Nephilim defiling the seed, the whole the whole belief in transhumanism that we have to become what they call post-human in order to advance and to be as gods, and in order to go into the um, age of Aquarius that the Antichrist is going to usher in. This is all part of that. And it all comes down to defiling our DNA. Next article. Uh, Cloning and DNA manipulation is at the center of a many heated ethical debates. But why not have a little fun with it via this site, this new website, featuring an online game based on the forthcoming sci-fi horror thriller Splice. 
the story of scientists who crossed the species boundary by splicing human and animal DNA to disastrous results. With this online game, you can splice yourself via a photo with some animal DNA and voila. You turn into your own version of Dren, the human-animal DNA clone from the film. You upload a photo of yourself, which can be called from your favorite social media site, like Facebook, or you can upload it from your personal online photo gallery or even a webcam. Then you can let the biotechnology begin. You, you create a new version of yourself, and the results are terrifying. You can then unleash the splice version of yourself on the world via social networking platforms. So that way you can, you know, create your own, hey, this is what I'm going to look like when I get my new DNA template or whatever, when I'm spliced together. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane, but I mean, it's, this is what's going on in, in the world. And again, these are all conditioning tools. Again, here's another article relating to this. The UK's Motor Neuron Disease Association has announced it will donate 800,000 pounds or $1.2 million to fund human-animal hybrid embryo cloning research. So just because Ohio banned public you know, cloning of human, okay, doesn't mean the privately, uh, private laboratories have any restrictions on them. It also doesn't account for what's going on in other parts of the world, like in the UK. Because they just approved, uh, the, the Motor Neuron Disease Association said it will donate 800,000 pounds to fund human-animal hybrid embryo cloning research by the same Edinburgh University team that created Dolly, the clone sheep. The three-year project, led by the team at MRC, Center for Regenerative Medicine, and headed by Dr. Ian Wilmot, hopes to develop human brain cells that carry the hereditary form of motor neuron disease called TDP-43. The experiments will involve removing the nucleus or the gamete or the ova of an animal, most likely a pig or a cow, and inserting the nucleus taken from a donor patient. The resulting clone animal-human hybrid embryos that survive will be cultivated for several days until they reach the stage at which embryonic stem cells will be obtainable. These stem cells, the researchers say, can be used to create nerve cells that carry the TDP-43 gene. Now, I've done several teachings on this, and I gave you a link here uh, entitled Cloning DNA Manipulation and Corrupting the Seed. I gave you the link. You can click on it. You just have to get to the PDF, or you can go up to YouTube or ContendingForDruth.com and do a search for cloning, um, or YouTube, Scott Johnson cloning. You'll find it. Okay, so let's look at a, some Bible verses relating to this subject. Daniel 2.43 says, And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. This is regarding the end times. Now, we're, I'm not going to go into this verse quite yet. We're going to wait till the next story and then go into it. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. So it talks about the seed of man being mingled, being corrupted here. This is a Daniel 2.43. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Again, more on that verse coming up. Genesis 1.11 says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. Meaning, the herb's going to bring forth after its kind. The fruit tree's going to bring forth after its kind. And then it says, Whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and 
it was so. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Not splicing things together and creating some monstrous, chimera-like, embryonic thing that's straight from the pit of hell. The living creature is to bring forth after his kind. The cattle, the creeping thing, the beast of the earth, after his kind. And it was so. Then in Deuteronomy 22.9, it says, Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seed, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. So if you're using diverse seed or one of these you know, genetically modified, spliced, whatever seeds, it's saying that the fruit of that vineyard, in God's eyes, is defiled. It's not something... See, God did it right the first time. He doesn't need any help. And man comes along and says, oh, no, I can do it better. Well, what they've got now, like with Monsanto, they've got the Terminator seeds, where they get the actual farmer addicted to literally and dependent upon these Terminator seeds. I, I love the Terminator seeds that are that are Roundup ready. Those are the best. Because you got a seed, and it only works for one cycle of planting. And then you got to go back and buy more seeds. You can't get the seeds from the, from the uh, crops that grew, because they're no good. And the seeds they've got now are Monsanto ready. Now, this is a great deal for Monsanto, because Monsanto makes Roundup. Roundup, I remember when I was in... Um, a long time ago, when I worked at a lawn service with my grandparents, and they would give me the sprayer, and we'd put Roundup in it. I mean, that stuff killed, like, nothing I ever used. I don't know if you ever used Roundup, but Roundup flat works. It will kill weeds. And that is made by Monsanto. They've got plants and crops now where the seeds will grow, and you can plant, you can spray the, Mon- the Roundup on, and it doesn't matter if it gets on the plant, because it won't hurt the plant. But it'll kill the weeds. And I thought, man, that stuff is so toxic. How could they create a plant that is impervious to Roundup? But it's also a Terminator seed so that you you got to buy more seeds at the end of the year. It's totally unbiblical. It's totally ungodly. Just Satan is trying every single possible way he can think of to defile God's creation is what it boils down to. Okay, so let's go further here. Um... This is entitled X Counterterrorism Czar says the next threat will emerge in 2012 from those resisting transhumanism. Uh, they say resistance is futile, or so Richard Clark, the former counterterrorism czar, wants everybody to believe. In his 2007 book, Breakpoint, Mr. Clark makes it very clear who the new enemy will be in the coming years. They are called Luddites. His term for those who will not accept the coming technological innovations. So as a born-again Christian, if you don't believe in this stuff, we're going to be, one more reason, we're going to be the enemy. So how about synthetic biology? Programmable cells that can seek and invade other cells. What could go wrong? Forget the fact that the book reads like a fifth-rate Hardy Boy novel. It takes us into the hubristic thought process of the power elite. Their plan? To use advanced technology to become more than human. Gods, if you will. And anyone that attempts to stop this by will be by definition a terrorist. It's the whole thing I just mentioned before. In order for us to go into this age of Aquarius, this age of enlightenment, this, this age of the new age, where we're going to undergo a Luciferic initiation, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to make their big debut, the ascended masters are going to come out, and all this stuff's going to happen. 
you're going to have to accept what is being set before you. And for the next debate, it may be about what is human. Should humans change the species with a human-machine interface and genetic alterations? This will be the next debates in years to come, he's saying. And for those who say that this breakpoint is only fiction, Mr. Clark reassures us, breakpoint set in 2012 is meant to be predictive, at least about technology, adding sometimes you can tell more truth through fiction. Genesis 3, 1 through 5 says, now remember, what, it's, what did it say here? Because this technology is going to enable us to become more than human. Gods, if you will. Well, what was the first lie ever told in the Bible to get Eve to sin? Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent, which was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said. Meaning he questioned God's word. Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden, And the woman said unto the serpent, Serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it. So Satan came out with a false statement. He said, you can't eat any tree of the fruit of the garden. That was how he first... And then Eve corrected him and said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it. So in other words, her first mistake was entering into dialogue with Satan. You're, you're getting into debate with Satan. It's not going to turn out good typically. Okay? Uh, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, now that she's entered into dialogue with Satan, for God doth know. Oh no, the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Now he's really questioning God's word. Now he's actually contradicting it. For God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So that was then the temptation and the carrot that was put out before even, and we all know how that turned out. So let's go further here with this, with this thought process. This article is entitled, State Representative Says the President Was Told of Aliens on Earth. This is by Henry Double McElroy Jr., retiring state representative to New Hampshire declared this week that the former U.S. President Eisenhower was briefed about the presence of extraterrestrial intelligent beings on Earth. Now, here's the state representative. I am trying more and more and more when I post these articles to post, I guess in the world's terms, it would be credible sources, and they're becoming more and more out in the open and flagrant with this stuff, which really makes my job a lot easier, okay? This representative of New Hampshire said, McElroy says, also said that the document he viewed while in the state legislature made the reference to the opportunity for Eisenhower to meet the alien visitors. Now, I did a whole study on this. It's called The Strong Delusion, ETs, Aliens, UFO, and the Grenada Treaty. And I give you a link here in the PDF. You can click on it and hear it. Unfortunately, it's 41 parts... 41 10-minute parts, up on YouTube. You can probably find it on contendingfortruth.com if you just key in Grenada, uh, G-R-E-N-A-D-A, treaty. Let's go further. This, This new revelation could result in the timely support for the 2010 election on the Denver ballot initiative to create an extraterrestrial affairs commission. 
The proposed commission would collect credible evidence and whistleblower testimony regarding UFOs and visitors to Earth of extraterrestrial origin. It would then share such evidence with the public through the Denver City government website at no cost to the city budget. The aim of the commission is to brief the public with information previously viewed only by a privileged few. Now, let's get back to that one verse that we had talked about. Daniel 2.43 And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Who's they? It can't be like an animal, because it implies an intelligent being here. They shall mingle... I mean, it's not like an animal. Well, who is it? Who else could it be? It can't be a human, because they're talking about mingling themselves with something totally different, which is the seed of men. Where else did that happen in the Bible? What, uh, What is the one other place in the Bible where they mingled themselves with the seed of men. Genesis 6. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they fared, they took them wise out that they chose. Okay, we just said that. So, the only other parallel in the Bible where they mingled themselves with the seed of men is Genesis 6. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen after Genesis 6, because the Bible says, and also after that in Genesis 6. So, in other words... There were giants in the earth after that, and that's just evidenced by when the Jews tried to take the promised land, that's what they encountered with giants. So it obviously happened again. Okay, but the, but the place where it's most clearly stated, and the first place it's stated, is Genesis 6. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now this is describing... You know, the ten toes of the, of the vision that Daniel saw, the iron mixed with the miry clay. Now, Noah Webster's Dictionary 1828, which is the dictionary I use to define the words in the King James Bible, because it's much more accurate than the modern day dictionaries, because it was written in 1828, which more closely parallels the words in the King James Bible. The word mingle means to mix. The word cleave means to unite aptly, or to aptly fit. Meaning when it says, they shall not cleave one to another, That word cleave means to unite aptly or to fit well, aptly fit. This passage is obviously debatable as to its relevance, but it is a passage which always gets placed into this topic. Here, Daniel is interpreting a dream about the final kingdom of mankind just before the return and the reign of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's something I think we might want to look at there. And he's saying it's going to be this way. Well, didn't Jesus Christ say, as it was in the days of Noah? So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And then we have this verse about the exact same time that he's in reference to. And it says, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Something to think about. One might be tempted to believe this passage merely refers to a political mixture, given the larger context of the prophecy. But in looking at the original language, there seems to be a strong indication that it is a marriage or a sexual type of union, and it is worth considering, given Matthew 24, 37, But as it were in the days of Noe, were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And the overall angel hybrid understanding of Scripture, which Daniel operated from, as it was an Orthodox Jewish view at the time, and it only disappeared from the historical Christian church from between 3 to 500 A.D. Now that's kind of funny, that's the same time the Catholic Church was making its big debut. Constantine, you know, 318, that type of thing. Do you realize that this view was held by the Christian church 
as a primary way of looking at scripture up until the three to 500 AD, meaning they believed that there was this hybrid race. Now, I know this isn't what's taught in seminaries now, but it was for a long, long time held as just, you know, what was truth. The Daniel 2.43 passage could be referring to hybridization in the final days, meaning the sons of God and the daughters of men, which would confirm Matthew 24.37 that we just said. One cannot deny that hybridization is a major theme of today's UFO and abduction research scenarios, uh, which would make this worthy of uh, consideration. So, let's look at this further. A short impression of the book, it's called Aliens, by Brian Appleyard. It says in the book, it is estimated that 2% of Americans have had experiences that are consistent with those that abductees experienced before they knew that they were abductees. And since aliens are most unlikely to show partiality in whom they abduct, the figure of 2% may be applied to the entire world's population. So let's just say, this is conservative here. I've seen 3 to 4%, but if 2% of the world's been abducted, I mean, we're talking millions and millions and millions of people. The alien phenomenon, sightings, abductions, well thought through and widely believed theories, as well as a hugely popular alien fiction market, market is too persistent to be simply due to mass delusion. Are we are we just going to say two percent of the population all of a sudden in the last literally about seventy years that they've all got this mass delusion? Whereas prior to that, this was very less prominent. And if you listen to the teaching I did on the Grenada Treaty, we'll kind of explain to you why we believe that's the case. I don't want to get into that now, but denying this would be poor science, or as Appleyard writes, the aliens are indeed the contemporary incarnations of angels, demons, and goblins of times past. Now, I don't think that guy was a saved Christian, but it was an interesting take. This is from a news press release wire, February 22, 2006. After being involved with over a thousand experiencers, alien abductees, a former registered nurse who is now a professional counselor and clinical hypnotherapist, which I never ever would tell you to ever do, getting hypnotherapy unless you want to get good and demon possessed. Don't do it. But she has concluded that alien abductions are not only real encounters, but they are about a spiritual awakening and galactic contact. So see, she's putting everybody under hypnosis. And her conclusion is that the alien abductions are about a spiritual awakening and a galactic contact. Well, why would she say spiritual awakening? Because almost every single time when these people get abducted, they're being told that, you know what, (laughs) we actually created you like millions and millions of years ago and you're our little science project. It's called the ancient astronaut theory or panspermia. And, you know, we created you and we seeded the planet, but you guys, you humans have messed things up so bad We're going to have to come back pretty soon to straighten it all out. But don't worry, we'll do a great job. And we're going to send our ascended masters, and they're going to go before us, and we're going to have a mass sightings of UFOs and things of this nature, and you'll accept us, and it'll be all right. They're preparing for this coming spiritual awakening and galactic contact. Mary Rodwell, this lady, is not alone. As a growing number of academics, scientists, and politicians, such as former Canadian Minister of Defense, Honorable Paul Heiler are starting to support the core of her paradigm, shifting views about life in the universe and that some UFOs are extraterrestrial spaceships. Telling you, more and more, quote, high-level people in the world are getting on board with this and it's all going to end up somewhere. And the church is acting as though it doesn't exist. 
and they're not giving their congregations any explanation of the coming delusion that this will be a main part of. They're not preparing their congregations for this delusion that's coming. And I shudder to think what's going to happen when this all starts to go down. Here's another quote. This is from Whitley Strieber in his book Transformation. He's one of the most famous alien abductees. Page 184. Here's what he says. Quote, The symbolic display seen by the abductees is identical to the type of initiation, ritual, or astral voyage that is embedded in the occult traditions of every culture. Isn't that interesting? The structure of abduction stories is identical to that of occult initiation rituals. The UFO beings of today belong to the same class of manifestation as the occult entities that were described in centuries past. Very accurate. They're just devils and demons and evil entities. Most likely, you know, fallen angels in some cases. And and it's hard to be dogmatic about exactly how and what is going on. But, um... That's an interesting take from an unsaved person. He goes on to say, quote, I felt an absolutely indescribable sense of menace. This was being abducted. It was hell on earth to be there in the presence of these entities. And yet I couldn't move, couldn't cry out, couldn't get away. I lay as still as death, suffering inner agonies. Whatever there was seemed so monstrously ugly, so filthy and dark and sinister. Of course they were demons. They had to be. And they were here and I couldn't get away. End of quote. And that's from an unsaved guy. That's exactly what is going on. And I give you the link here to fire in the sky, the abduction scene. Now I have a warning here. It's extreme. It's not for the faint of heart. I'm not saying you should let your kids watch this. There's nothing really inappropriate as far as nudity or anything like that, but it is really super scary from a from a fleshly standpoint. But I believe this abduction scene is about as accurate of, of a scene as I've ever seen in regarding the malevolence and evil that these things, what happens to these people when they get abducted. But a lot of times people, what happens is, is they brainwash them. So when they they either don't remember it at all or what they do remember is pleasant. But then when these people go into these, sometimes they start to retain memories, then they start to remember what actually happened to them, and it's absolutely horrific. So let's go further here. Um, This is from Leah A. Haley, Unlocking Alien Closets, in her book. She says, My findings confirm what I suspected a decade ago, which is a spiritual war is taking place on Earth. Alien experiencers and covert human experimentation operatives Experiencers are right in the line of fire. Our immortal souls are the spoils of war. Only by following God's commands can we ensure the survival of our souls. We must do unto others as we'd have done unto us. May God bless all those who fight for righteousness and truth. Interesting take there. Our immortal souls are the spoils of war. I mean, what's all this delusion about? Well, Satan's a defeated foe, so what possible motivation could he have to take as many people to hell and into the lake of fire as possible? I guess that's his only thing he can try to get at this point. Misery loves company. In man's modern efforts to reject the Bible, he instead embraces the UFO cult-inspired doctrine of panspermia, a.k.a. the ancient astronaut theory that I just mentioned, that humans were created and manipulated by aliens. But Ephesians 6.12 and other passages state that the violent angelic enemies of mankind occupy the heavens, outer space. And that may seem like a slight stretch, but the translation of Ephesians 6.12 
high places actually means above the sky, celestial. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible also goes on to say that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. So again, what we have to get always focused on is what is the spiritual uh, evil enemy behind whatever we may be facing. Because if some guy's coming in trying to do harm or, or deceive you or do whatever, you have to understand it's the demons that are motivating or possessing that person, that are driving that person. So it's really easy to get your eyes fixed on the person and not on the actual spiritual thing behind it. Here we see that the church is called to wage war not against deceived humanity when they disagree with us, but most directly against evil spiritual forces responsible for deceiving the whole world. The world powers, as used here, is the same word found in 1 Peter 3.22, where it says, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God? Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Who's that? Jesus Christ. All these evil, wicked entities are actually subject... To Jesus Christ, who ever sitteth on the right hand of God, ever making intercession for the saints. Here is a breakdown of the meanings of powers, principalities, rulers, and high places. This is from Strong's. Principalities, which is derived from the word Greek word archi, is defined as chief in various applications of order, time, or rank. Powers is defined as mastery, magistrate, superhuman, potentate, delegated influence, authority, or jurisdiction. Rulers is defined as an attribute of Satan, a worldly ruler. High is defined as above the sky, celestial, heavenly. So good extraterrestrial beings, of course, do exist, meaning good angels. Okay, Remember, the Bible says that a third of the angels fell with Satan, but two-thirds didn't. Now, after that, if more fell, you could make a case for that, because we know we have more giants after... Genesis 6, maybe more angels fell. Again, the Bible doesn't really say, you know, get dogmatic about that, but it's something to think about. Anyway, good extraterrestrial beings, of course, exist, but the Bible much more specifically calls our attention to the fact that there are bad ones seeking to thwart God's purposes and to lead mankind to false doctrines about our origins and the place in the universe, which I have said in times past is going to be one of the main battlefields and one of the main delusions that we're going to have to fight and battle against because everything about the Bible is going to be called into question and they're going to say the Bible is false they're going to say the Jesus of the Bible is false which totally undermines your faith and if you're not rooted in the rock of Christ Jesus and if you're not reading the right Bible and believing that like in the English version the King James Bible is the word of God then your faith is going to be shaken And you're going to most likely fall away because you're not rooted and grounded in the word of God and in Christ Jesus. It's very important what we're talking about. It's not some peripheral matter that's going to have no bearing on the future. Until the 4th century, the sons of Seth heresy, still taught in seminaries today, which said that when it said the sons of God saw the daughters of men, what's taught in the seminaries is is that the sons of God were the sons of Seth. 
Now, that's nutty. You know why? Because if you look, if you compare scripture to scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, and you look at how that phrase, the sons of God, is used in the Old Testament, it is only used every single time, I believe it's four or five places, mostly in the book of Job. It's used in Genesis 6 once, and it's used in Job three or four places. The sons of God is exclusively and only relating to angels. Good angels. See, they were sons of God. They hadn't quite fallen yet. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And then they took them wise out. Then they fell. Okay? So, I understand in the New Testament, the sons of God does mean kings and priests, and, and we're literally referred to as sons of God, Christian. But in the Old Testament, the usage in Hebrew is only applicable to good angels. That's it. So, again, the sons of Seth heresy still taught in seminaries today. The early church taught and fully understood that fallen angelic hosts had mated with humans. But if you were Satan, and you knew what Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, and you knew what Daniel 2.43 says about the whole thing about they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, and you knew all this, wouldn't you try to start a cover-up of that? So that Christians wouldn't ever know that fallen angels have procreated with women. and that So they wouldn't be even expecting this in the end time. Even though it's so in our face with Hollywood beating the whole alien thing down our throats with, with TV programs and like with V that just came out and with all these movies that come out and they're conditioning us and brainwashing us. It's, it's in our face, but... This is what's taught in seminaries, that they were the sons of Seth. But the early church knew, knew better. Sadly, this reality has been lost in our modern understanding, making the UFO, UFO alien deception all the more believable for mankind and, and the one the modern-day church totally avoids for the most part. And it's going to be in part to their destruction because they have ignored this and acted as though there's nothing... There's no truth. There's no validity to any of this. It doesn't matter. Okay, so that's the end of that particular part. The next part is, did you know that hip-hop is now an official religion? Rap pioneer KRS-One is the self-proclaimed prophet of a new religion, hip-hop. KRS-One announced he will soon release the gospel of the hip-hop, the first instrument, a 600-page book that examines the spirituality of the hip-hop culture. Hip-hop artist and founder of the Stop the Violence movement, KRS-One claims his soon-to-be-released spiritual book is the announcement that a new hip-hop religion on earth which claims it will become the world's dominant new religion. Hip-hop. KRS-One goes on and says, quote, Well, I think I have the authority to approach God directly. I don't have to go through any religion. I can approach God directly myself. And so I wrote the book called The Gospel of the Hip-Hop to free us from all the nonsense garbage right now. He's going he's gonna to free us. KRS-One is going to free us all. So he wants us to know that. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Matthew 12, 37, it says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I would say that he's pretty much condemning himself with his own false words. And again, the Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and his heart departeth from the Lord. Second Peter 2, 17-19, well describes KRS-1 when it says, These are wells without water, 
clouds that are carried with a tempest, to of whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, which is what we're hearing here, they allure, meaning they lure you in through the lusts of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those which are clean escape them those that live in air. While they promise them liberty, well, isn't that what he just said? The gospel of hip-hop is to free us from all this nonsense garbage right now. That's his quote. Well, what is he doing? He's promising us liberty, right? It says, while they, these servants of corruption, promise them, their followers, liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought into bondage. So if you let this garbage overcome you, you will be brought into this bondage. Galatians 1, 6-10 says... I marvel that ye be so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Well, isn't the gospel of the hip-hop, isn't that just one more false gospel that's out there? Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Well, again, this is basically what this guy's doing. You know, and the Bible says, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so I say now, again, if any man preach unto another gospel unto you then that you have received, let him be accursed. Well, that's what the Bible says. That's not, isn't that kind of similar to when Jesus Christ, you know, called the Pharisees and Sadducees serpents and vipers, and he said, you're white and sepulchers, meaning tombs full of dead man's bones. How are you going to escape the damnation of hell? And Paul went on to say about Alexander the coppersmith that he did me much evil. The Lord reward him to his works. And then he said of the Cretans, they were always liars and slow bellies and these types of things. And the Demas has forsaken me for this present day world. Oh, but we can't say any of that because it's mean-spirited and it's, it's not. Well, we don't say it because we're trying to slander somebody. The Bible says speak evil of no man. But there's a big difference between evil and truth. This guy is betraying himself by his own words, so we're exposing him. And the Bible says, let him be accursed. Why? That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of his doing, and that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart with glory, according to Psalm 64. When God's judgment falls on the wicked, people get converted and get saved. Look at Ananias and Sapphira in the Bible. What was the fruit of that? Well, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead, okay, because they lied to the Holy Ghost, okay. Well, what was the fruit of that? Well, many were saved, many were converted, great fear fell upon the camp. It was all good. Well, I I believe there's a day and time coming when we're going to see this. We're going to see God's hammer fall, and these devils that are perpetuating these false gospels are going to start being judged. Maybe I'm wrong, okay, but... I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen eventually. I really do. I felt that way for a long time. I mean, you know, God's long for bearing and everything, but, uh, and obviously we know what happens at the end of the tribulation. So, you know, it happens, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. And it says again here in the same portion of scripture, whenever the Bible reasserts something two times in a row, you really better pay attention. It says, as we have said before, say, I now, again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or or do I seek to please men? For if I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. What are most of the lukewarm, and I'm talking lukewarm preachers 
and their 501c3 corporate churches across America doing? Well, they're, they're seeking to please men. They're hirelings. They have no true love for the sheep because the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. But they're hirelings. They're doing it for the money. They want to please men. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying the majority. If it wasn't the majority, don't you think this the United States would be a different place? Don't you think that we would already know a lot of this stuff and people would be warned about this kind of stuff? But it, they're not. They're not being warned. Going further, it says, I respect... Okay, this is back to KRS-One. This is straight from his announcement off his website. I respect the Christianity, the Islam, the Judaism, but their time is up. He says, to recap, KRS-One's book is the new Bible of hip-hop. It is going to be the best-selling book on earth. And no matter what God thinks, hip-hop is the new religion of the world. That's what he's saying. You know, I tell you, <laughs> when God starts to judge these wicked devils, and he does it in such a way where you can't deny it's God that's doing it, in other words, you know, it's not like they have some stroke or something or I'm, you know I'm, I'm saying it's done in such a miraculous way that all men will see and fear and declare the work of God and they will wisely consider if God's doing it. I think a lot of people are going to get saved because God's only going to put up with this so long from Wikipedia we read the temple of the hip hop it's called the temple of hip hop is a ministry, archive, school, and society founded by KRS-One. Its goal is to maintain and promote hip-hop culture. The Temple of Hip-Hop maintains that hip-hop is a genuine political movement and culture as it has been accepted by the United Nations as a culture. Isn't it funny? We always have the United Nations being in the midst of so much of the evil that we report on. Doesn't it seem like they're the common denominator? And aren't they going to be kind of the essence of what brings the one world religion, the one world political system, the one world economic system, the one world monetary system into being? You know, I I don't think it's a coincidence. The Temple of Hip Hop calls on all hip hop fans to celebrate Hip Hop Appreciation Week, occurring in the third week of May. It encourages DJs and MCs to teach people about the culture of hip-hop, to write more socially conscious songs. See, they're trying to say, oh, we want to stop the violence. We want to make hip-hop more socially acceptable. We don't want to have all the gangster rap. We want to make it better. But look at the blasphemous garbage that's coming out of this guy's mouth. Uh, And then in radio stations to play more socially conscious hip-hop. Hip-hop History Month, which is November... Founded by the Universal Zulu Nation is also recognized. So again, that's that's a little more reporting for you there on on that blasphemy. Next article: Sex trade, innocence lost in America's heartland. For years, Americans have watched international reports of human trafficking, thinking it couldn't happen here. But now, researchers are finding more and more domestic cases, and it's not just in big cities or in border states. They're in the heartland. Shared Hope International, a Christian anti-trafficking organization, reports that 300,000 children in the U.S. are at risk for trafficking each year. 300,000. 12-year-old is the average age of entry. Men are buying younger children. Now again, if you don't know about this, how are you ever going to even think to pray about it? Why do you think I did that agonizing 10-part study I did on pedophilia? It was It was horrific. I hated even doing it, but the thing is, is that if we don't know about it, and we don't understand the scope, and we don't understand that this is going on in the most elite, elite circles 
of human, political, governmental, economic systems, law enforcement. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying it goes on there. Well, then how would you even know not to pray about it? How, how would you even know? 11-year-old is a commonly... An 11-year-old... Oh, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself here. 12-year-old is the average age. Men are buying younger children. Shared Hope founder and former congresswoman Linda Smith said... She's a former congresswoman. She's admits saying this. They're buying more violent acts with children and those children aren't willingly saying, I want to be prostituted. So as as humanity becomes more depraved and more debauched, these devil men are out there buying uh, little girls and, 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 and boys and they're wanting more and more vile, violent acts. This is so sickening. You can't even comprehend it in your mind. And again, these are things we should pray with righteous indignation over. We're now seeing 9, 10, and 11-year-olds. 11-year-olds is the commonly, 11-year-olds are commonly snatched from a middle school, lured through a mall to a mall or online. Traffickers are kidnapping or luring these children, for, children from all kinds of communities. Ohio is just one place where it's surfacing. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in Matthew 18, 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, Jesus Christ saying this, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he be drowned in the, in the depths of the sea. These people have no fear of God whatsoever. But I guarantee you one thing, they'll have a lot of fear of God the moment they die and take their last breath and step into eternity and go into hell. Psalm 64, 5-10 says, They encourage themselves in an evil manner. And again, I just kind of read this, but let me read it in entirety. They, meaning the wicked, encourage themselves in an evil matter. Like, can you imagine them plotting to get some, like, 11-year-old girl at a mall or something? They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying of snares privily. Like a, like a hunter lays a snare Privily, meaning they do it privately. They say, who shall see them? They act as though God doesn't exist. They search out iniquities, meaning they search out sin. Whatever way they can sin, they accomplish a diligent search of sin. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. They take this really seriously, in other words, these pedophiles. And again, I understand this isn't just about pedophiles, but it would definitely apply to pedophiles. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if it be possible, their souls be saved. But I'll tell you what, I don't see a lot of biblical precedents for pedophiles getting saved in the Bible. Show me one instance in the Bible where a pedophile ever got saved. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying I don't see any precedence in the Bible. Just like I don't see a whole lot of precedence for people that have been turned over a reprobate mind, men burning after men, women after women. I don't see a whole lot of precedence for them being saved either. I'm not saying it can't happen. I know there's people that say they've come out of that movement and they're saved. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saying there's a very low likelihood. Okay, from a biblical standpoint, I'm basing that off of. If these people cannot be redeemed, and God does know the beginning from the end, right? He knows the beginning from the end. Well, he knows if they're going to get saved or not. If they can't be redeemed, if they've crossed that line, if they've been turned over a reprobate mind, well, would it be more merciful to let them continue raping little girls and little boys? Or would it be more merciful that God shot them with an arrow, that they would be wounded, 
So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. What would that mean? The other pedophiles might see it and other wicked people might see it and say, hey man, i got to fear God now. Maybe they'll get saved. I think it's the only hope for them getting saved. They need to have a wake-up call and that's an understatement. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God for they shall wisely consider his doing. Now this is something that's never preached in the churches. I mean, there's got to be a balance between bless them that curse you and do good to them that despitefully use you. Or are you, are we, or is that to say that we're to bless a pedophile? Oh, bless him, God, in this work. Bless him. What? Bless him so he can go out and rape little kids and, and kill them? No, there's got, there's a balance you have to maintain. And I get into that subject in the teaching I did on imprecatory prayers, Psalm 64. Which, if there was ever a psalm God took me to, it's Psalm 64. It's just not being taught in the churches. Just like 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is not being taught in the churches, where you, you will turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. That's not taught in the churches either. That's another teaching I did. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Perfect or holier than thou, and I'm so wonderful, and I'm so sanctimonious, and so better. I'm doing it, I'm teaching you this because the Lord showed this to me. It's in the Bible, and the word of God is there for a reason, okay? There's just certain parts that seem to be never hardly taught. Now, I'm not making a blanket accusation over every pastor on the planet. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for the most part, in the, in the majority of churches, these types of teachings are not taught. They're not popular. But because the church is not doing these things and not taking the full counsel of the word of God, it's a big reason that the church is in the shape that it's in. The ending of this is the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him and all the upright in heart shall glory. So if you want to go up there, you can in precatory, uh, I-M-P-E-R, C-A-T-O-R-Y in Precatory Prayers or Psalm 64 uh, on YouTube you can Scott Johnson in that or ContendingForTruth.com just keen in Precatory or Prayers you might find it I, I still have to fully archive the um, Contending for Truth site um, and hopefully we'll get that done in the, in the next month here uh, anyway I'm sorry I, I get really fired up over that subject because um, you know these are these are just children I know it makes guys got this got to be like one of the worst things in God's eyes. I mean, well, I mean, it's one thing if a gay guy wants to be with a gay guy, or a lesbian wants to be with a lesbian, or a man kills a man, or whatever. But it's another thing when you start to sexually pollute a little one. That's a different dynamic. I mean, to to me, it's just if we're created in God's image. I mean. You know, I, I got to believe in His eyes. That's got to be one of the most. And, and if you look in the Bible, where the few times that God will say, "Don't pray for them," Jeremiah seven, Jeremiah eleven, and Jeremiah fourteen. What was the common denominator in there? One of the common denominators was that they were um, sacrificing their children unto Molech, child sacrifice. Okay, when you start killing your own children and sacrificing them and this type of stuff. You know, you're pretty far gone. You're pretty far gone. Let's go further. The Uniting religions for the world of change. Actually, you know what? I uh, can't get into this. I'm going to have to go to another part here. So, God bless you. We'll catch you on the other side.